0: Okay, welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. It is my privilege to pray for our prophet today so that she doesn't stumble and mess <laughs> up and embarrass herself and me yeah. and the congregation. No, no, no. It's to make certain that she has the right words so she doesn't mess no. I mean, let she's me get on the right script here. So so she's she, not helping her So right. she has so she has the anointing of God, right? This is the... Okay. This is going to
1: be a fun day for him preaching, I can tell already.
0: Hey, talking about that, preparing as a New Testament preacher is a whole lot easier than preparing for, than being a prophecy preacher. So, I kind of like it. Anyway, so, Lord, we ask for your anointing on Leslie. We ask you to give her the words to say, the right words, don't let her say the wrong words, and also give us, open our eyes and... Help us to see, know, understand, and remember, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
1: amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So, I'm going to be easier on you today. So, I had five sessions of the mysticism and the Hebrew roots and some of the Messianic um, movement, and it was it was really tough. I know it was um, some things that challenged some people out there watching. I'm sure, and some of you maybe even here at this church. But, however, today, it's going to be more lighthearted, a little bit more fun for you, and find out what's in the scriptures. Deal? All right. So, I just want to let you know it's going to be a good day. We're not going to have to beat up on anybody, I don't think. So <laughs> that's my plan anyway. All right. So, I'm going to give you some quotes. We're going to talk about some famous quotes. Think of some famous quotes maybe out there just in your own mind. Um, actually, how this came about with me is I go to aqua class, water aerobics, aqua class, and the instructor, I guess for the last couple weeks, she was saying uh, before we could move on to another exercise that we, somebody had to come up with some kind of um, uh, the best advice that they ever received, and I'm like, oh please, I don't want to have to say anything, you know, best advice, Mm. I mean, you know, you can think things scripturally, but then then how would that come across there while you're in the water? They might dunk me. I don't know. Um, But also, I thought, well, the best advice is, you know, for my mom says, never leave makeup on. Always wash your face every night before you get to bed. It's kind of cheesy, kind of stupid. But they were giving advice out there, and some of the advice that they were saying was, Beyonce says, and I'm like, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, so what a Lord, you know, there's some sayings out there that I know that we say, some quotes that we say. And I just want to see if some of these things are in the Bible. So that's where my quest for finding some of these things out went. And I think some of this is going to surprise you because it did mean. And maybe we'll be a little bit more careful what we say. All right, just some famous quotes. I just had to have some pictures here. All right, we'll talk about some um, people that we know here. Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, write it on your heart that every day is the best day in the year. Write it on your heart that every day is the best day in the year. That's pretty good advice, don't you think? You know, wake up and say, this is the best day. Can you turn the light down there saying so they can see? Uh, Vince Lombardi, uh, he said, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. Right? Uh, George Adair says, everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. Praise God, that's a true statement. You know, things, you know par- fear paralyzes us, and we can't move forward many times because of that fear. So as soon as we get on the other side is what we wanted in the first place. It's just getting past that fear, right? You know, Stan used to teach a class on public speaking. And, you know, the number one fear, the very number one fear is standing in in front of a group of people. That's the number one fear. That To me, I'm like, I don't understand that. Now, lizards, yeah, all day long. But, you know, what is the number one fear? And I'm not going to... You know, the Fear Factor, did you all ever see that? Oh, I couldn't watch it. It would just made me sick. But I thought, I'm not getting in a tub with lizards. I'm not doing it. So I guess I'll just keep that. Uh, Zig Ziglar, you cannot tailor-make the situations in life, but you can tailor-make the attitudes to fit those situations. I'll say it again. You cannot tailor-make the situations in life, but you can tailor-make the attitudes to fit those situations. I like that one. Oprah Winfrey, I know some of y'all's favorite uh the greatest discovery of all time is that a person can change his future by merely changing his attitude. you know, and I believe a lot of that is true. you know what about our attitude in life? Um, you know one of the things that um I know y'all probably don't like this guy, but I do. I like dr. Phil and uh you know, and he one of the, one of his famous sayings, favorite sayings I should say. Is that he'll say, you know, um, how happy are you, or how happy is your life, or how happy is your family? Um, that's not how he says it. How happy are you with your family? In other words, how, you know, how are you making their life? Are you making it miserable, or are you making it happy being around them, being around them? And I thought, that's a pretty good saying. Are you grumpy? You know, are you, you know, having a bad attitude? Or are you changing your attitude and you have a good attitude? It makes all the difference on how many days work out because of how you wake up in the morning. You you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, right? Go back to bed, get back up, see if it changes. If not, stay there because I don't want to be around grumpy. But, you know, how happy are you to be with? Um, Albert Einstein, and I love this picture of him. Uh, Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Drew. Um, Maya Angelou, I'm not sure how to say her name, sorry. But try to be, um, huh? Uh, try to be a rainbow in someone's cloud. Try to be a rainbow in someone's cloud. Try to encourage someone. You know, the scriptures tell us we're to exhort, right? We exhort one another. Um, never miss a. Oh, this is Will Rogers. I love this thing. Don't I stand? I didn't know he was the one that said this. The, I have a little bit different way I say it. But it's the same thing. Mine's better. I never miss a good chance to shut up. Tell Stan, never miss an opportunity to say nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Never miss a good chance to shut up. So I was kind of excited. Will Rogers said that. Uh, Abraham Lincoln says, the best way to predict your future is to create it. That's true. What are we doing? You know, if you have goals in life, are you setting those goals and are you trying to obtain them? Uh, People that set goals in life will obtain them. If you're never setting a goal, you won't. And it's step by step. You know, you don't want to set one too far. You know, they say, you know, what's your goal for this year? What's your goal for five years? What's your goal for ten years? You know, it's kind of nice to look back and see if you made that first goal. So anyway, the best way to protect your future is to create it. Wendell Berry, don't own so much. <laughs> don't own so much clutter that you will be relieved to see your house catch fire. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> don't own so much clutter that you will be relieved to see your house catch fire. All right, so let's find out if some of these quotes that people say if they're really from the Bible. Finish the saying. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Anybody ever hear your mom say that? Go clean your room. Cleanliness is next to godliness. If you want to be close to God, then go clean your room. If you want to be close to God, then go clean the kitchen. If you want to be close to God, have a clean house. Right? I mean, uh, we as uh, moms really want to, Make sure that you know that saying, and it has to be in the Bible. Surely, Lord, something close to this is in the Bible, right? Surely it is. Well, it's not in the Bible. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, This is the closest thing it comes to. Having, therefore, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. While it's not talking about, you know, our house being cleaned outside, appearance, things like that. It's talking about our heart. Um, This was um, John Wesley. This says this was in 1769. It was interesting because when I was doing the study, I mean, there was like 1768, 1769, 1771, 1779. People were giving different years. They were saying, and John Wesley said in blah, blah, blah years. So I don't know the exact year, but there's... You'll probably see another one that has another to date. we get another year. But anyway, it all happened in the 1700s. Uh, he, he first, it, this saint first appeared by a sermon from him. And it was, slovenliness is no part of religion. Cleanliness is indeed next to godliness. So he started that saying. Or did he? We'll find out. Uh, this was a Hebrew proverb that had been around for centuries. See, here he is, 1778. This is 1769, see what I mean? All right, so the recorded sermon of John uh, Wesley, maybe he said it a lot, you know? Um, this saying does not appear in the Bible. Sir Francis Bacon in 1600s now, 1605, wrote, cleanliness, a body, was never deemed to proceed from a due reverence to God. John Wesley wrote, "Slovenliness is no part of religion. Cleanliness is indeed next to godliness. Am I saying that wrong? Sloven, is that like a sloth? (laughs) Um, The Israelites, uh, you remember, they were extremely concerned about cleanliness. Uh, Israelites were concerned about clean and unclean. They were to avoid dead bodies, carcasses, eating unclean animals, leprosy, bodily discharges, etc. They did elaborate washing rituals. That took place, they had to do these things, certain things to enter into the sanctuary, and they had to do certain things before they could even be reintroduced to society, and felt that this was the way to enter into God's presence. You know, a lot of the laws, even man-made laws, that talks about certain rituals they've got to do before they do certain things. Um, I know that even in the Hebrew Roots movement, if you, you know, on their, on their Sabbath before the woman even covers her head and prays and prays into the candle, they have to go, everybody's got to go and wash their hands. Now, they don't care if you use soap. You just got to use the water. So, I'm like, well, I have to use soap? No, it just make sure you use water. Everybody go use soap, okay, you know? So, anyway, and then they would break the bread, etc. So, just, it's very, very important to them. Uh, Cleanliness connected to godliness? We'll see. Biblically speaking, outward cleanliness has no connection to godliness. However, you know, we are to give and present ourselves the best way we can to God, right? That's why, you know, we encourage people, you know, when you come to church, you know, make sure that you are presentable, you know? I mean, and wherever you go, you know, you want to make sure that you're presentable because you are a testimony for Jesus, and they're sure gonna want to hang out with you more, should you be smelling good, right? Use bo. You know, if you have bo, use do. That kind of thing. Um, we are defiled, or we are unholy by what is in our hearts. True. So that's what the cleanliness is talking about in the scriptures. It's not by water we eat. What, it's not by what we eat or how often we wash our hands. And then godliness in Greek means holiness. So how holy are you, as Christians? We are to strive to be holy every day. I mean, to change our wicked ways. True? We're supposed to continually check our hearts. So it's not about just asking Jesus to come into your heart and be done with it. We have to, it's like we have a lot of excess baggage out here that we have to get rid of and change our ways. Uh, that's what it talks about cleanliness in the scriptures. Hebrews 12:14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So what, is, what are you presenting? In Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in the sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And in Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we believe in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. In other words, holy, holiness is not obtained by keeping the law. Like it is in these other religions. It's, they have to do certain rituals to make sure that that means that they're holy before God. That's, God is checking your heart. All right, uh, you, can, you can be the cleanest person on the face of the earth, but if your heart's not right, you're not, you're not close to God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And then Ephesians four twenty four says, And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. In other words, we had to transform. We've got to become that new creature. You know, when we accept Jesus, we become that new creature. Remember that day, that day that you accepted Jesus for the very first time? How clean you felt? Go back to that moment. And about five days later, you're feeling... Mm. I want to go back to that moment. I don't feel so clean anymore. It's because of what's in our hearts. So we have to change. We have to be transformed. Uh, we have to make a decision every day. You know, change our attitude every day. Uh, spend time in the word, etc. cetera. Uh, at that moment, accepting Christ as our God and Savior, we're made completely clean. Praise God. And then James 4, it says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So it does say, wash your hands, children. And you can draw an eye to God. I finish this saying. God helps those who helps themselves. Surely something like this is in the scriptures, right? Um, so this comes from Aesop's fable, Hercules and the Wagoneer. A man's wagon got stuck in the ruddy road, and he prayed for Hercules to help mother, you know, another god. Hercules appeared and said, Get up and put your shoulder to the wheel, meaning the gods will help them that help themselves. So that's where that came from. And then First Peter 1, 1, Peter 1 14 and 15, it says that, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversations. In other words, we need to become continually, continually on and on and on, daily day, day to day, become more spiritually mature. So if we become more mature, we get closer to God, we know the answers, we know where we need to go, we know we have faith in Him, no matter what the situation. So we know God's going to help us, we have faith. That's, that's not a problem. We get that. But it's not that we're doing something, helping ourselves. It's not about what we do, right, in a lot of ways. It's not about um, how Leslie can um, change things that's gonna change my life. It's about Jesus Christ gonna change my life. All right, finish this thing. Hate the sin? Love the sinner. You'd like for that to be in there? How many have said that? Yeah. Or even cleanliness is next to godliness. Some of these how many have said some of these things already? Right? Uh, finish the saying, hate the sin, love the sinner. Hmm, okay. This is where it came from, Gandhi. I guess you won't be saying that one anymore. <laughs> He's the one that wrote in 1929, hate the sin and not the sinner. And then Jude 1, and 23 says, and some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire Hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. So we're to hate the sin no matter whether it's our own or others. That's the true saying. So hate the sin, right? Love the sinner. Okay, so, but he, but Gandhi, G- um, excuse me, Gandhi believed this, these kinds of things. So if you're saying that, that, that statement, you're repeating a quote from Gandhi. So I suggest you not say it that way anymore. Uh, because he, he believed in, like, all religions. Uh, Hinduism tells everyone to worship God according to his own faith or Dharma. And so it lives peace with all the religions. So, he, in other words, so, if, you know, Hinduism, he says, just this is what I want them to do. Just tell everybody. It's, it, as a matter of fact, a lot of the Hindus didn't like him because he accepted a bunch of different religions. Um, and then Buddha believed in Buddhas. Was a Buddhist also. Disbelieved in God and simply believed in moral law. Uh, Then he says, The Allah of Islam is the same as the God of Christians and of Hindus. (laughs) Devil. So just remember, if you're about to say that that quote again, go No, I'm not going to say that because that's a quote from the devil. In other words, we're to hate sin no matter who, right? Uh, finish this saying. Money is... Said that before? Is that what it says? First Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? Not that money is evil. It's the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Being wealthy is not evil or a sin. Right? Amen. So I mean, we have some pretty some wealthy people that are definitely you wouldn't, you know, they're pretty evil, right? Running, you know, running our country, where the other countries, you know, the Illuminati, etc., Um, a lot of wealth. But that's not what is evil. It's the love of money. And the job in the Bible was wealthy. But it says he was perfect, upright, feared God, and avoided evil. So he was very wealthy. Um, there were Job one one says there was a man in the in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Another um, definition for uh, which is really greed is intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food, putting idols above God. That's what is the root of all evil. You know, what is your idol? And many people out there, uh, maybe some that are rich or uh, extremely wealthy, they have the love of their wealth more than they do God. All right, finish this saying. This too shall pass. Man, Leslie... Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. So this came from the line, the layman of the doer, the, the uh, deor. Uh, it was an old English poem. I know they don't say that word right because everybody always makes fun of me, but P O E M, okay? Uh, it consists of this, uh, D- this the deor who lends his name to this. Was, he was given no formal title. Modern scholars do not actually believe deor to be the author of this poem. And then it says that, you can see, you can read some of this, but he said this, German, huh? Germanic mythology reconciles his own troubles with the troubles these figures face, ending each section with the refrain, that passed away, so may this. So that's where it comes from. How many of y'all knew that already? All right. Uh, the, anyway, this, this point begins with the struggles and the misfortunes of this character, and that's where that saying came from. Not from, not from Scripture. So there's times that you're trying to help somebody, right? Maybe somebody's um, in a dire situation. You, you say, you know, you're trying to help them. This too shall pass. And maybe we just need to comfort them, tell, you know, pray that the Holy Spirit will comfort them. There's different ways that we can say it without saying a quote from something that's not of the Bible. In Matthew 24:35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And then James 1, 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but that the patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, if you are ministering to somebody, you're not going to want to say, Well, let's go to James. <laughs> That's not the time. But you can pray for them, right? And you can pray out loud about them. Saying, Lord, I know that one of these days they're going to, they're counting, they're going to count it all joy because they're into these this diverse temptations right now. But if you were to say somebody that's going through that, they're just going to close their ears, right? Because the truth is it's excellent, but it, there's a timing for it. i finish this thing. Idle hands are the devil's workshop, right? What am I saying? Huh? Huh? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle minds, think the same thing. All right, so Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle's not the same as rest. Um, and Second Thessalonians 3.11 says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. And then 1 Timothy 5.13 says, And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. Gossipers. They don't have anything else to do. So they're going to go around gossiping, causing problems, stirring up trouble. You know, we need, to, we need to do, we need to work. We need to find what our hand do that pleases God and then um, do it with all our might. You know, we should, wherever we are, wherever we are working, we need to be our best always. Again, we are a testimony for Jesus Christ. The lack of activity leads them into sin. Um, They become hoarders many times, um, idolaters even with food, etc. So make sure that you're not letting the devil work in your mind and letting that workshop go on in your mind. It comes from not having goals or purpose. And then Proverbs 18.9 says, He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. I finished this thing. The lion shall lay down with the... Okay, you can get off the stage right now. I was shocked. I even told Stan, he yeah, goes, yeah, you're right. It's not in there. No, it's not even similar. No. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. That's what it says, right? Because, we, you know, we talk about, you know, Jesus is the, is the line of Judah right the lamb of god so i can see why we say that but it doesn't say anywhere that the lion's going to lay down with the lamb uh and isaiah 11:6 says the wolf it's the wolf that's lying with the lamb also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them and then Isaiah 65, 25 says, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. So it's the wolf and the lamb. Are you, isn't, isn't that kind of interesting? Did you know that? You, of course, Bill did. I'm not going to look. Bill always like, yeah, I know that. Yeah. All right. So it's, just be careful about when we're trying to. My, my point is, is that if you're going to quote scripture, quote scripture. Right? Um. If we sub- say some of these things because we hear them and we repeat them, we don't check it out for ourselves. I'm guilty, too. I'm guilty. Um, I always thought I was the line that laid down with the lamb, you know, have a picture of it and everything, right? Um, anyway, even if a quote seems edifying, the only way to know if it is a quote from the Bible is to what? Read the Bible. Take time to read God's Word. Check things out, you know. Um, uh We as Christians, many times we do, we repeat. And we need to make sure we're repeating what is really accurate. Finish this thing. God wants me to be happy. (laughs) No, he doesn't. (laughs) In this church, they're going, no, he doesn't. (laughs) That's pretty funny. For those of you that are watching online, you're not seeing everybody here in this church underneath stands teaching, by the way. Um, God wants me to be, and they're like, no, not happy. <laughs> Holy righteous would be the right way to say it. But God wants to be, they say, though, the saying is, God wants me to be happy. Happy, 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 right? If you're happy and you know it, what, clap your hands, right? Or um, that song, uh, Wouldn't it, I'm so happy. There wasn't very many words to it, but happy. Who was the guy that sang that? What was Pharrell? Um, God wants me to be happy. I, I mean, get you going. I like the song, too. You know, if you're trying to get your grumpy kid or something, you know, trying to be happy, you know, a grumpy husband trying to, you know, let's dance around, be happy. He's walking out the door. Sorry. I could talk about him now. Um, so does Jesus or does God want us to be happy? Jesus is more concerned with our relationship with him, isn't he? It's not like I'll be in... Because sin makes you happy. A lot of times, sin makes you happy. You know, temporarily. Thank you. I'm not saying it's a forever thing. Because, I mean, sin can make us happy at the moment. You know, I'll repent later. No, that's not the way it works. Um, Jesus is more interested in our relationship with others also. Jesus does not want us to go after our own lusts and desires at the expense of sin. And then happiness is great, wonderful, but should not be our number one goal. I mean, you know, when your heart's happy, you know, when it's fulfilled, it's much better, right? When it's in turmoil. But it's all about your relationship with the Lord, and it's also about how you're treating others. All right, so this one makes me nuts. I'll just tell you right now. And there's even um, movies that come out like this It makes me nuts. And these Christians flock to it thinking it's really true. Heaven gained another? No. We're not angels. Can't you tell? Even when you die, you're not an angel. You may have lo- this is what the saying is, you may have lost a loved one, but heaven gained another angel. No, it didn't. Um, it's usually said when someone passes away trying to console somebody, but don't say that. Because that's what sticks in their mind, and they think that their loved one that just died is watching over them, and um, gonna be their angel. You know, following them around, place to place that they go. Yeah, my dad was just with me. He's like, he's my angel. No, he's not. You know, if you're if you're into that too much, then you're channeling, or you're also into familiar spirits, etc. So it's not it's not that's not a true statement. Uh, Saying to comfort when those who mourn. And Christians, we will not turn into angels. So that's not a true statement. Uh, this thing, God won't give me more than I can handle. I um, I hear this from people, especially when they're going through something, but God says he won't give me more than I can handle. Well, the the truth of the matter is, you can't handle it. The truth is, you can't. So... There might be a lot on you and that you, you know, so with Jesus, you know, you you're, you say you're not going to give me any more than I can handle. You know who's helping you handle it? It's Jesus. It's not by what you do, right? So it's Jesus that gets us through. We can't do it on our own, especially when we're in turmoil. We can't do it on our own. It's the Lord. You know, he's going to help us with our burdens, right? So he's, if we, if we turn to him, and realize, I, you know, how many have said, I can't handle this anymore? I can't handle this anymore. Because we can't. Right? And then you think that saying that, you know, God won't give me any more than I can handle. And then you're like, it's so stupid. Because I can't handle this anymore. Um, so life is more than we can handle at times. We cannot do it alone. We need Jesus. We can't do it alone. But God can. And then Matthew 11:28, 28, actually through, through 30. Um, I'll read the picture here. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean on me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, oh learn of me, excuse me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So many times, you know, we might have to say that scripture over and over and over again. And just you know, maybe physically, just take our hands on our shoulders and say, "Lord, I give this to you. I can't. This I can't do this. You're going to have to do this for me. I can't do it." All right. Everything happens for a reason. Somebody who said that. Yeah. Oh, everything happens for a reason. You know, Um, that terrible accident just happened for a reason. Did God cause that accident to happen? right? Huh? Well, okay. So she says he'll use it for good. So we'll say everything happens for a reason and it'll turn around for good. But the truth of the matter is, is that we then put it on, well, God caused this to happen. Let's say, then we might say, well, he allowed it to happen. Okay. I know that sometimes we say that even, but things just happen in life, right? We're humans. He gave us a choice. He gave others choice. And things are just good and bad are just going to happen. But it's everything happens for a reason. So if there's a mess, you can't say that it's happened for a reason. They caused it. (laughs) Those little munchkins did that, right? Um, Yeah, really. This is my room upstairs When my grandkids come over, the playroom. Oh, my goodness. Um, So if tragedy strikes... Our loved one dies, breakup, health problems. You know, um, uh, one of our quickest ways to say, well, everything happens for a reason. But then she says, but it'll turn around for good. How does it turn around for good? Do it? Yeah, I mean, we turn it over to him, right? You know, we turn it over to him, and whatever the outcome, we know that that's good. It might not be the outcome that we always want. Because his ways are higher than our ways, right? Um, uh, you know, we can, you know, if someone's like, has, is about to take their last breath, you know, we can call them back to life. I get it. But there's times it just doesn't happen, right? So we can't get mad at God. It's just that's there's life and there's death. There's just times things happen. But he, what he will turn around for good is how we react to it how we respond to what just negatively happened to us. That's how it turns around to good. Because then we are putting our focus on him and how to change what's going on around us. Um, If you find yourself in a mess, God didn't make it happen. However, he will cause it to turn to him. It causes us to turn to him in the crisis, true? It makes us, as Christians, and it should. Instead of getting angry with him and our fists go up, you know, we should be... Falling on our face, crying out to him and loving him. Praise and worship him even more. Getting closer to him. Uh, Jesus is our hope and our salvation. You know, um, if you got to have his peace, then you cry out to him. You sing. You dance. You do whatever it takes until that peace comes upon you. Right? You know, almost a year ago, like with Leslie Ann in the hospital, Paris will be a year old Wednesday. And uh, doing awesome... But, I mean, there were, there were two times it happened where that fear flooded over me, and I was like, no, I can't. I can't let my, you know, the hope and the faith, my faith in Jesus and what I believe he's doing, I can't have it overtake me. I could have just gone that route, but no. I'm going to praise you, Lord, until I've got that peace. And, it's, you know, it was shortly after, I mean, within moments, the peace comes on. I'm like, yes, yeah, she's going to be good the Ann's going to be good. The baby's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay. And praise God, she is. So, you know, pray until that peace comes. He's our hope and our salvation. Pride cometh before the fall. Oh, I didn't put the little thing. In. Finish this. Pride cometh before the fall, right? Um, the scriptures say, Pride goes before destruction. What goes before the fall? The haughty spirit before the fall. So if you're going to quote the scripture, then say it right. True? All right. So pride goeth before destruction. Not before the fall. What goes before the fall? Haughty spirit. Yeah. Uh, So pride before destruction, haughtiness before the fall. Once saved, always saved. I mean, we know as the Spirit of Prophecy Church, that's not true. Uh, praise God for you know, our teachers that have, have shown us the truth in this. But there are um, denominations that believe that. In other words, you just accept Jesus Christ and you live however you want to, but you're still going to go to heaven. Because they don't let them know, hey, you can take your name out of the book of life. You can deny Christ. So don't think they just once saved, always saved. In Revelation 3.5 five says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. In other words, that means it can be blotted out. Okay? But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Do you have another scripture you want to share or something? Okay, well, turn your, micro- here to... turn your microphone on when you find it. So, um, you know, again, we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we are sharing the truth of things. The truth of the word. Uh, This was a real challenge. This was actually, God really challenged me on some of these things. Did you find it? Do you want to share right quick, honey, or can I move on? I'm going to move along. He's not painted. Um, Did this kind of open up your eyes? I want it to. And make sure that um, some of the things we're we're quoting is really something that's accurate to quote. And especially when it has uh, the Christian vibe to it you know, the, the biblical vibe to it, we need to make sure that it's uh, really is going to be something that's quoted from the Word. I mean, I don't know how many times I said, pride goes before the fall. I'd rather just say it the right way, right? Even that, to me, pride goes before destruction, that's even worse, <laughs> right? So, anyway, so I ask that if you, you know, if you've, uh are with the Spirit Prophecy Church, the Prophecy Club. You know, I ask that you share this with all your friends. Uh, every Sunday we, morning we have teachings that come at 9.30, then I get our service at 10.30. Yes, you have it now you want to share. So let me back up for just a second. Go ahead.
0: Okay, Ezekiel 3.20 says, Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin. His righteousness which he has done shall not be remem- remembered, which means that once saved always saved is not correct. Ezekiel three twenty, and then if you'll go to second Corinthians, this is awful to type in ten thirteen. Ten thirteen, is that right? Oh, it says there is no Second Corinthians ten thirteen. This <laughs> is a really good, really good program here. Hang on. Did you find it? No, that's not it. Well, again, it it, uh, it won't let me hold anything. It's just a little cell phone. All right, I'm gonna it,
1: go ahead. It's,
0: okay, it go ahead. says that with. He will not test us above what we are able, but with... Okay, here we go. What did I say? First Corinthians 10, 13? Yeah, there. Okay. There hath no temptation taken, but such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape, that he may be able to bear it. So... Um, we are not tested above what we cannot handle, although it seems like it most of the time. It seems like it, but he, he always makes a way of escape. And there is no such thing as once saved, always saved.
1: But he the, the point that I was making with that he makes the way out. It's not by what we do, right? Um, okay. So now anyway. So I just encourage you to share this with all your friends. I also that you ask that you click like share, and then subscribe, and then you can donate by clicking on the link below. Uh, then you can also write us to let us know that you are want to become a member or that you're uh, with us or some encouraging word. would be great. Uh, contact spareprophecychurch.com. So I hope that you enjoyed this message today. And I really encourage you to get into the word, study the word, read the word, know the word, memorize the word, so that when some of these things come to you, you're not just taking it as if it's biblical. God bless. Good morning. Welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church. So happy to have you joining us today and those of you on live stream. A few quick announcements that we need to make. And I hope everybody, first of all, had a great 4th of July. I guess that was two weeks ago, though, wasn't it? It was one week. Was a week okay, see where my days are? So last Sunday, right, uh, 4th of July, I did nothing. That's why mine was not real memorable. But it was great. It was fun. Um, huh? I, never <laughs> I won a game. I always win games, but Phase 10 I don't usually win. I, but I won. At 1.30 in the morning, Sharon and Brandon are like, should we quit? Like about, you know, 12.30. I'm like, no, I'm too close to winning. I'm not going to say you won by default. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the game they can't right hear here. you. You don't have a microphone. <laughs> um, anyway, so a couple of things. Uh, Bible study is canceled for the summer, July and August. It'll resume uh, probably September the 10th, right after... The Solemn Assembly, the September Solemn Assembly. If you haven't signed up for the, the September Assembly, uh, Sharon will talk about it here for the church here with us right now, but also those of you online, make sure you go to Watchman'sTrumpet.com and sign up for the September Solemn Assembly, which is September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, there's a $25 registration, and then also um, there, we ask that if you come in town that you stay at the Hyatt. The, all the information is, is online, so you can sign up. We encourage you to do that. We want as many as possible. We want to fill the whole room with Christians praying in one accord, right? In one accord, we want to do that. Um, also, there's a, we are trying to help Cambodia. We have, for those of you that are up here, we have a, uh, uh, here at the Spirit of Prophecy Church, we have a bucket up here. So, We'll have it up there for the month of July, maybe the first part of August. I encourage you to help with donations so that we can get them some refurbished laptops. Um, If you have any um, old cell phones that you're not using anymore but that still have the cord, still would work. uh, Tablets, um, any kind of electronic device, maybe a laptop that you might have, then we encourage you to bring that. If you're here at this church, bring it. If you need to mail it, then mail it to seventeen. 1717 Angel Parkway, number 222, sorry. 1717 Angel Parkway, number 222, Allen, Texas, 75002. Um, and then also the, for those of you that are here at this church, this will be on the, the round table. I ask that you make sure that your information is correct on here so that also you can be part of the intercessory team email, and then um, also we are doing our, our notices, or if we need to get a hold of you, we're doing it by email instead of me sending out a text to everyone, so make sure you make sure your information is right on this form. Um, talk. For volunteers at the church, um, if you're wanting to volunteer, see me, $25 to volunteer. We do have time slots, six six-hour slot, mm-hmm. time slots, sign up for as many as you want. We really need overnight. For the Watchman's Trumpet. Um,
2: solemn
1: September Assembly. <laughs> solemn September Assembly. Um, we really need overnight, but any hours that you can help, please sign up. Um, just see me, and we'll get you signed up for that. All right. So we'll, this is Sheronda, those of you that are here. For the rest of you online, make sure you go to watchmanstrumpet.com. Sign up for the, the September Solemn Assembly. All right, let's stand. Let's pray. We'll get our service going this morning. Uh, we celebrated a little bit earlier, for those of you that are online, for three birthdays here. We, um, we usually, uh, for children, till their 13th or 13th birthday, we celebrate, we bring them some money and uh, sing happy birthday. And then also, I give them gifts, and they get their own little cake, and, and that's how we build the church. <laughs> Maybe we need to give out money to anybody that comes in the door. Hi, there we go. Come in, we'll give you some money. Anyway, so there's a a lot of children are starting to join us, which is awesome. So if it gets a little noisy in a certain little area right here, you'll know why, but it's great. It's awesome. It's It's okay. I'll be down there in just a minute. I'll help you. You want to come up here by me for right now? Oh, you need to go? Okay. Well, Sharonda, go to Aunt Sharonda, right? Go to Aunt Sharonda. Run, go. All right, for the rest of you, we're going to pray, okay? (laughs) Let's raise our hands and bow our heads. Leslie, go ahead and take it. Dear Holy Father, we just come boldly before your throne room of grace and mercy, and we thank you so much. We thank you that we can come here. We thank you that we can worship you in spirit and truth. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. And for those of that cannot join us today for whatever reason, Lord, if there's any that are sick, um, that are part of this church, whether they're online watching, or they are part physically here with us, and they could not come today. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that right now, right now, say, be healed in Jesus' name. We command that spirit of infirmity to leave their bodies right now. If there's ailments, Lord, whatever that ailment may be, uh, whether it's... um, a hurt foot or a knee or an ankle or anything, Lord, if there's anyone that's suffering that way, heal them right now. We just ask for it in Jesus' name. Heal them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. But we know that there's no distance in the spirit realm. We know there's no distance, Lord. And we thank you for those that are watching, that they'll become members, and also those, that, uh, again, that are here, become members, to be joined with us. Join with the Prophecy Club. Join with the Spirit of Prophecy Church. Continue to grow us up, Lord, like-minded people that want to serve you, that want to serve you, Lord. We want to be trained. We want to be equipped to do your work. And, Lord, we give you all the praise and honor and glory, and we thank you. We thank you for blessing this service. We thank you for blessing this praise and worship time. We thank you, Lord, that you'll bless and anoint the the message that Pastor Stan has for us today. And, Lord, I know that you're going to give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And, Lord, bless the children that are coming. Let their ears be in tune to your word. Let them be able to learn your word, even at this young age, Lord, and retain it. That they'll be able to retain it, Lord. Give those that are teachers to the children. Give them the messages that they need to hear and that they need to know. And, Lord, we just ask that, that many of them will say, I've always known you, Lord, from a very young age. I've always known you. I've always accepted you as my Lord, my Savior, my God. Help them be strong in this generation. Strong, Lord. Strong because I know the schools are changing, things are changing, and we cancel those plans and attacks of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. And we lift up your word, Lord, the word of God, that it will come, come forth out of the mouths of babes in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We just declare it, we prophesy it, and we speak it forth in Jesus' name. Now, bless this praise and worship service in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Sharona, go check on Leslie Ann for me.
3: Hallelujah. Lava a, a Cristo. Lava Senhor. A Lava a Cristo. Magnify. Lava Señor. Lava a Cristo. Magnify. Lava Señor. Bah Cristo me guay I love Señor ¡Oh!
2: There's joy in the house of the Lord. Amen. Are you free? Are you free? Hallelujah. We worship the God who gives. We We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be opened the prison doors he parted the raging seas my god he holds the victory there's joy in the house of the lord there's joy in the house of the lord today and we won't be quiet well shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord our god is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet We'll shout out your praise We sing to the God who heals We sing to the God who saves We sing to the God who, the God who always
3: makes the way Hallelujah.
2: Cause we hung up on that cross then he rose up from that grave. My God, still rolling stones away. Enjoy in the house of the Lord.
3: Enjoy in the house of the Lord today,
1: and we won't be
3: quiet. We'll shout out our praise. Enjoy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. Come on. We'll shout out our praise.
2: praise. Yes. Love yes. love we were the beggars, now we're royalty. Jesus. We're the prisoners. now we're running free. And we were accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We're running free We are forbidden And defeated by His grace Let the house of the Lord be great Come on and enjoy
3: the house of the Lord Let's be the same the There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today And we won't be quiet We'll shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord our God is surely in this place and we won't be quiet We'll shout out your praise and in the house of the Lord Let us in the house of the Lord today and we won't be quiet We'll shout out your praise and in the house of the Lord Our God is surely in this place and we won't be quiet We'll shout on your grave. My weapon is the melody I raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes, hope will arise Death is defeated, the king is alive In the middle of the mystery I raise a hallelujah Fear you lost your hold on me I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive, I raise a hallelujah, I raise a hallelujah. is the Lamb. Oh, you are holy, holy. Are you Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb. 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 Worthy is the land.
1: shout out and give them some praise Hallelujah. hallelujah thank you lord all right you may be seated hallelujah holy is the lord amen holy is the lord is he holy do you worship him is he worthy you're so worthy, Lord. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much again. We honor you. We glorify your name. You are worthy. You are holy. And we love you. We love you so much, Lord. We thank you for what you've done for each one of us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I I thank you for this man of God. I thank you that he spends time with you and he worships you. Lord, he knows you and you know him. Lord, I know that you walk with him. I know you speak with him. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus. That is, in his time of presence with you, that, that anointing that comes would come upon him now, come upon him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And again, Lord, I ask that each one of us in agreement will say that we will have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Do you agree, congregation, do you agree that you will hear what the Word of the Lord is? And Lord, I'm going to ask that we would not forget the word it would penetrate our, bil- our being. And Lord, as we walk out the door, we will not forget your message. We will not forget your word. And Lord, again, we give you praise and we give you honor and glory today. And we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Worthy, is
0: Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb because he was slain, is redeemed us to God by thy blood. Out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation there is made us unto our God, kings, and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And have beheld, and in the midst of the throne, and the four beasts, and the four and twenty elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. When he took the book, the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down before the Lamb, each of them having harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And I beheld. And in the midst of the throne, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them heard, I saying, Blessing, glory, honor, and power. Be him that sitteth upon the throne, and of the Lamb and the four beasts said, Amen. And the congregation says, Amen. Amen. And I say, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Lord, we thank you for the finished work on the cross. And we know that it opened the door. It opened the door. For us to once again live eternally with the father and the light it gave us the body of life it gave us eternity and lord i ask for your anointing this morning not just upon me but so that the people can see and hear what you showed me that that revelation spirit would come upon them that they were their eyes would be opened and that they would see because we know that wisdom and might are yours you change the times and seasons. You remove the kings and setteth up kings. You give wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You reveal it the deep and secret things. You know it what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with you. And Lord, we ask you to show us the light. We ask you to show us the deep and secret things within your word so that we can help, know, and understand in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. And the congregation said, Amen. 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 So, I'm going to show you something in John chapter 3 that this time yesterday, I did not know. So, here's what's happening. Of course, I've been teaching prophecy all these years. Turn me down a little bit, I'm reading. And when I memorized the book of Revelation, that spirit of Revelation come on, he began to show me revelations deep within the scriptures, understanding things that I'd never seen before, connecting various parts of the Bible that I'd never seen before. And now he's starting to do the same thing with the rest of the Bible. And I've read this, I don't know how many times. You've probably read it many times yourself. But all of a sudden, I saw deeper, I saw more. I'm gonna show you, and I'm gonna title this Benice that is watching in South Africa right now. The title you're gonna put up today is Prophecies in John chapter three and four. That's the title. Prophecies in John chapter three and four. John chapter 3 and 4 has prophecies. I'm going to show you it does. It's going to be an exciting trip. Okay. First of all, you must be born again. John 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus by the night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. Jesus answered and said, verily, verily. Now, when we see verily, verily, that is not an accident. God does not put extra words in the Bible just so he can make it thicker, so he can charge more. <laughs> like some of the people out there do. <laughs> So when it says, verily, verily, it means, verily, verily, it means that it plays once, but it plays twice again. Okay, so there's, it's saying there's something deeper, look deeper. He's saying, yes, it plays once, it plays twice. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, in my days past, I read that on a superficial level, probably like you did. And what did we see? Superficial, the first verily would say, Oh, well, we must rise from the grave in order to get our glorified body. Right? But there's more. Verily, verily, I say, to you accept a man be born again? He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? No. See that words again. There it is. Verily, verily, I say, to you accept a man be born of the water? That's what, remember, we were in the water, a mother's womb. We were born in the water. So the first time, we have all now been born in the water. Now, I used to think, oh, well, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I speak with tongues, so I'm baptized in the Spirit. Again, that's not the second verily. You mean there's something more? (laughs) The answer is yes, there is. So what's he saying? What's the Spirit? You remember when the seventh trumpet sounds. And Jesus returns with clouds, and those are not white cumulus clouds. We've talked about this. But when he splits the heavens open and eternity enters into time, that's when the heaven rolls back like a scroll. That's when he blows the morning star. He brandishes his sword. He It's the lightsaber, and he goes, it goes to the center of the earth, sets the foundations of the mountains on fire. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The hills melt like water running down a steep place. And the, that's when he arises to shake the earth terribly. Everything shakes. It shakes so much so that every mountain falls, every valley fills in, there's no more sea. And as that glory hits the center of the tear, they fall to the ground a pile of ashes and bones. But as it hits us, here it is, here it is, out of our belly flows whoo, rivers of living water. And that's when we get the spirit. That's when we get a light body. He said his reward is with him. As that morning star hits the earth, it never, there's never a, another place on the earth where you can find darkness because everything glows. It permeates everything all the way to the foundation of the earth. Everything glows because Jesus is the light of, He is the light of the world. The sun's been out for three days. So he says, except a man be born of the water, we are. But I submit to you, we have not got the final. Yes, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yes, 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 we're getting the baptism. But that's not the final thing that we get. So when he says, be born of the Spirit, that's when we get the glorified body. That's when we get the light body. All of a sudden, we are light. I'm going to show you, we're light. He cannot enter the camp. Okay, so if you had been born of the water from your mom... And unless you've got the morning star, you can't enter the kingdom of God. In other words, you can't be, you don't have the eternal body yet. That's the reason he says he can't put new wine into an old bottle or it breaks. In other words, our body right now can't stand the power of God. Can't stand it. But we're going to have a new body. He saves the best wine for last. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's us. But that is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wills. That's the way we would say it. And here's the sound thereof. Thou canst not tell whence it comes, whither it goeth. So that is same is the born of the spirit. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Jesus said, are you a master of Israel, And you don't know these things? Well, I think I began to understand them even deeper yesterday. And that's what we want. We to understand it even deeper, right? Verily, verily, there it is again. So that tells us it's going to play a second time. This thing he's about to say, it's about to play a second time. I say to you, we speak that we know. and We testify that which we have seen. And we receive not our witness. So if I've told you of earthly things, you don't believe, you're not going to believe if I tell you of heavenly things. And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. In other words, if we want to go to heaven, we go to heaven through the coattails of Jesus. He is the way, the life, what? What? The way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh to the Father but by him. There is one mediator between man and God. That is the man, Christ Jesus. He is the only way. Well, you mean if I'm a good person, I can't go? No. But what, you know, what about the what about the Jews? What did it say? There is one way. This is the way. The only way. You know, that makes a lot of people mad. That offends a lot of people. Can't help it, though. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What's it talking about? So what they did was they got a stick and, and they, made, they made this bronze serpent upon on the stick. And they lifted up this serpent or this, this uh, cobra. And they had anybody that got bit by a snake, you look at this and you're healed. So what's it a picture of? Okay, it's a picture of Jesus taking down the serpent, him getting on the cross, crawling on the cross, because he is the way, the truth, and the... So it's another picture. So there's your verily, verily. It plays twice. Yes, they lifted up a serpent, they looked at the serpent, and they were healed from the snake bites. What about us? We've been bitten by the snakes all of our lives. We were bit by the snakes before we were born. But when we look to Jesus, we're set free from the snakes. Yes, we can say yes to the devil and we can all we can do bad things. But we don't have to. So Moses lifted up the serpent. And the Son of Man must be... He, you know what he was really saying? I'm going to have to be nailed to the cross tree. I'm going to have to be crucified. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Have we Have heard of that before? Yeah, where have we heard that? <laughs> for, God so loved the, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, meaning that before we were born, we were already condemned. But before we were born, he had already made a way for us to escape. We didn't have to be bitten by those serpents anymore. We don't have to. We can say, no, devil, get thee behind me. I heard a story about pastor, I don't remember where the story was, driving down the street, heard his, uh, heard his daughter in the back seat behind him was saying, no devil, no devil, no. I remember that this actually happened. We were driving down the street and I was behind the wheel. Leslie was here. We had one of those mirrors. Not not the rear mirror, but it was one of those child mirror, mirrors. So you can see the children in the back seat. And leslie ann and bentley were fighting as they usually did and leslie turned back to him and says leslie ann stop touching him don't touch him so we drove a bit further and i'm kind of watching And leslie ann went and it was like just that far above his his knee it was like i'm not touching him <laughs> i'm not t- See, that's what the devil does to us. He comes to us, and he's trying to tempt us to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants us to say yes to him. Jesus wants to say no. I love Jesus. Jesus wants to say no to the devil. This is the condemnation that the light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Have you ever seen somebody and you just, they can't seem to do right? like they're always making wrong decisions i know you've never seen anybody like that it just it's like can't you see the light can't you see the right way to go can't you see the path and the answer is no and i'd like to be able to tell you i've always made correct decisions just like you'd like tell me you've always made correct but we've all made we make mistakes but then there's sometimes where It's like the devil just puts in our heart the wrong things to do. But what the cross did is it gave us a way. I guess before the cross, I wasn't there, I don't know. But I guess before the cross, they had to do what the devil told them because that was in their heart. But he made us a way to where we don't have to do that anymore. Everyone that doeth evil evil, hateth the (laughs) light. Boy, isn't that true? Neither come to the light, but lest his deed should be reproved. They don't want to come to Jesus because they like their sinning. My mom said, well, there is pleasure in sin, son. Sorry. Yeah. Sometimes the devil's way is the way our flesh wants to go. And some of you were saying, no, all the time. <laughs> At least it used to be, right? But no more, right? But he doeth truth, cometh to the light. And his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. After these things came Jesus' disciples into the land of Judea. There they tarried with him and baptized, and John was baptizing an Anon near Salem. Because there was much water there, and they came and they were baptized. And John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples. We're going someplace with this in just a second. And the Jews about purifying. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom the barest witness, behold, the same baptizes and all, all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am that, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the groom, but the friend. Like a wind tunnel up here. But the friend, I remember saying that. Oh, here we go. Okay. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, okay? The bride is us. Matter matter of fact, let me talk about that. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, if we don't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, I don't know how we can be the bride of Christ. So is all of the church the bride of Christ? No. You gotta go to the marriage. How do you get to go to the marriage? You gotta have your lamps trimmed, and you gotta be ready, right? According to the parable. So he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly, because the bridegroom's voice, this is my joy, therefore fulfilled. What? It's just saying, if you receive Christ, you're going to be happy. You'll be glad you did. But he must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that doeth the, that he that, I can't read today. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, we're going someplace with this, hang on. And he that testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth his Son, and has given all things unto his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, what's the wrath of God? Well, there's a lot of folks that want to say the whole tribulation is the wrath of God. Some people want to say so; it's just the last uh, half, or some people say the last hundred years. But the ultimate wrath of God is the morning star, when the eternity, the darkness enters in, and the heavens roll back like a scroll. He blows the glory down, and Because as that glory hits us, as the glory hits the the, tares, the wheat and the tares, it all happens at the same time, in the same instant, in the moment, in the twinkling of eye, twinkling of an eye at the last trump. That's the wrath of God. The morning star is the wrath of God to them that are not in Christ. But to those in Christ, it is their salvation and their eternity. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees, Had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. Why does it have this word in here? Why why have that sentence? Because John never baptized anyone in the spirit. Jesus never baptized anyone in the water. Because John's baptism was the baptism to go to heaven, to wash your sins away, which is the greater baptism. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus' baptism was of the Spirit for boldness, power, and witnessing. John's baptism was to be saved. Jesus' baptism was to go to work. John's baptism was the washing, the re- regeneration of sins, which is most important. But Jesus' baptism is for boldness, power, and witnessing, to be able to walk in His power. Why not have them both, Right. So, he left Judea. Okay, now, th- this is getting important here. Where's Judea? Well, that is part of Israel. So, when he says, when he left Judea, he's saying he left the Jews, and then he's going to go to Samaria. Where's Samaria? Well, that's where the Gentiles live. So, this sentence is saying, he left the Jews and went to the Gentiles. You remember when... Cornelius was blessed and he was uh, able to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, you remember this. I've got the scripture here. I want to go to it. Remember this scripture here. This is Matthew. We're jumping into Matthew here. So, Jesus thence departed from the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came uh, came out of the coasts. And cried to him, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. He answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought. So he is ignoring her. The disciples even come to him and say, oh, Lord, uh, the woman is talking. You know, I mean, she's not going away. Will you address her? I mean, will you give something? He's ignoring her. So he said not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But Jesus answered and said, now this is Jesus speaking to the woman that is not a Jew. She's the woman from Canaan, not a Jew. She's a Gentile. Jesus is talking to a Gentile and he says, but I'm not sent to the, but, but to the lost sheep sheep of the house of Israel. So the gospel originally was only supposed to go to the Jews, correct? Originally. That's what he's saying. I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She came and worshiped, Lord, help me. He said, it's not me to, the, to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. That's kind of offensive, isn't it? He's basically saying, I wasn't sent to you, Gentile. You're just a dog. And it's sort of even worded that way, right? However, watch what she does. She says truth. Okay, yes, I agree. You've been sent to the Jews. However, the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Jesus said, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you, even shall well." Okay, so that's saying Jesus originally was not sent to us. Originally, it was supposed to be the Jews that got to salvation. But what did they do? Stiff-necked, hard-hearted, they refused it. Now, let's back up to where we were. Understanding that, this is uh, this is about to start turning on some Bible for you. <clears throat> so, it says, he left Judea, then he went to Samaria. So, he left Judea, Galilee. he must need to go to Samaria, which is called so near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied in his journey, sat on... Sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. Hmm. What time is that? It's about noon. Okay. So it's in the heat of the day. And he's wanting a drink. Now look what comes up to the well. So here comes a woman from Samaria. So this is a Gentile. So you got this. Jesus is sitting at the well. The well of Jacob. Hot day. About noontime. The woman, the Gentile, comes to the well. Disciples gone into the city to get some food. Then said the woman to Samaria, how is it that thou, being a Jew, oh, excuse me, I stick around. Okay, so he comes, the, the woman comes there, and Jesus, I forgot this one. Jesus to her give me to drink. Now, let me start over. So, Jesus is at the well, it's hot. And the woman's from Samaria comes, he says, give me something to drink. She says, what are you doing, dogging to me? Being a Jew, how is it that thou, being a Jew, asks, drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans? Why? They're unclean. We are above you. We are more important. We are God's chosen people. You're a nothing. You are what they call goyon, which, sad to say, is still their attitude today. When Leslie and I were in Israel, I've told this story before, but we were at the King David Hotel. It was about 1991. I was not in the ministry at the time, and I had no intentions of being in the ministry. And Yeah, I was sort of a worldly guy at the time. I'm making excuses for what I'm about to do here. So I've got my... My cases of uh, suitcases in front, suitcases in back. I'm standing here waiting for the doors of the uh, elevator to open up. They open up and I start to move, all of a sudden I hear this pitter, 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 patter, swish, and all of a sudden this about 19-year-old kid jumps up over my suitcases, They're the other suitcases, lands in the elevator, hits the door, or the, the button on the elevator, and stands there. Totally ignores us. I was shocked. I pushed my suitcases into the elevator, and I turned around to that boy and I said, "Boy, I don't know where you're from." I said, "But I'm from Texas, and you do that again, you'll be picking yourself up off the ground." (laughs) Now, now, normally, you'd get a response, right? You know, at least, and I'm sorry, I'm a Goya. I'm a nothing. He totally ignored me. Now, I'd like to say that that was the only incident. Things like that happened. Leslie was in, (laughs) we were standing at the passport line. There was uh, eight or ten people, and there's about eight or ten lines. So Leslie and I are standing. (laughs) You would be better at telling this than me. (laughs) Yeah, Leslie is making excuse for her actions, too. (laughs) She wasn't very nice then, either. So this Jew, see, because we don't exist, okay? In their world, we don't even exist. This Jew just walks by all of the people and walks right on up as if he is special and he is going to put his passport and get on through and he doesn't have to stand in line. Leslie walks up and, in so many words, told him, he is not special. You can fill in the blanks, right? Leslie's good at filling in the blanks. And you're going to get back in line and anyway. So what, what I'm trying to say is, the Jews had nothing to do with anyone that wasn't a Jew. That was their attitude, and sad to say, it's still their attitude today, which is, we wonder why the world hates the Jews. Well, they have some pretty good reasons. They would just be a little kinder, a little kinder, would help. But we still love them. We still love them. <clears throat> How is it you being a Jew asks a drink of me? <laughs> we have no dealings with the, you, the Samaritans. You don't have any. So Jesus answered and said to there. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that sits next to you, when, that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. Now all of this is actually tying together. You've got to understand that when he says the water and the blood, he's still referring to the water and the blood. But it says, but in this case, he's talking about the living water. In other words, out of our belly flows rivers of living water. Okay. Jesus then said to part of the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Oh, excuse me. I already read that. <clears throat> now back to the story. And a woman said in her sir. Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is very deep. From whence hast thou the living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which is, gave us uh, the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him in this well, springing up into eternal life, or everlasting life. So he's saying, I am the Christ, but he's not saying it. He's wanting her to recognize it. The woman said unto Sir, Give me of this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus handed her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. Hmm. It was a setup. The woman answered and said, Well, I have no husband. <laughs> you said right. Actually, you've had five husbands. Meaning, you've been in the sack with five men. And he whom thou hast now is not thy husband. So she's living with somebody. She's not married. Which, by the way, is bad. Because I shouldn't have to say that. And that thou saidest thou truly. And the woman said unto her, serve, I perceive that thou art a prophet. For our fathers worshipped in this mountain... And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now, the Bible does say Jerusalem, in the Old Testament, was the only place to worship. And if you worshipped outside of Jerusalem, outside of the temple, you were in trouble. So, that was part of the Old Testament teaching. Jesus entered, woman, believeth me. For the hour cometh, here you go. Now, we're getting close to the prophecy here. The hour cometh, when you shall neither in this mountain... Nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Okay, now let's jump to when that's fulfilled. Now we're in John here, but now we're about to jump into Revelation. Now the twelve gates are not the point, but I'll read it. The twelve gates are twelve pearls, every several gate of one pearl in the street of the city it was pure gold, it was transparent glass. So now all of a sudden we've jumped into the future when the new Jerusalem is coming down. There's only one mountain on the earth. Everything else is a nice round smooth ball. No mountains, no valleys, no rivers. There's, there's, you walk across the Euphrates with your sandals on and not get your feet wet. <clears throat> so now we are in the millennium. He says, now I saw no temple therein. So up here you look. He says, oh, well, the day is going to come. You don't worship this mountain. And in this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. Because you worship the Father. So he's talking about here in the, the last days. In the final end, there won't be worship. For there is no temple. Therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb of the Temple of it. Jeremiah 31, 31 says, I will write, my, I will write my, my, my laws in their hearts, and they shall no more say, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, even from the least unto the greatest. There's not going to be a time... When everyone that made it through the burning will be saved. And they were already know him. So there is no temple in the New Jerusalem. The city had no need of the sun nor the moon to shine up for the glory of God did lighten it. There's Jesus. And the lamb is the light thereof. He is literally the light of the world. Now let's back up. So the woman comes to the well. He says, but I will give you living water. <clears throat> and there's going to come a time... When not only you don't worship in this mountain, wherever they were, but you won't even worship in Jerusalem because there won't be any kind of worship like that. Does that make sense? The woman said in him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. I read that. Wait, 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 wait. Ah, here we go. I'm picking it up again. So let's go back to this, which we read. Woman, believe in the hour comes when you shall neither worship in this mountain nor Jerusalem, worship the father you worship you know not what and uh, we know what what, what <laughs> we worship you know not what sometimes king james is difficult but i love it you worship you know not what we now
2: <laughs>
0: read the words don't listen to the words we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jesus. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I've always wondered, what do you mean, worship in spirit and truth? It's talking about when we're in our glorified bodies, there won't be a time where we have to go to the New Jerusalem, or go to this mountain, or go to that place, because we will all know Him, even from the least unto the greatest. Spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He's meaning, he's saying that when we get that glorified body, we won't, there won't be worship, there will be worship. Does that make sense? In other words, we will all know Him. We will all be worshiping him, all the time. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah come, which is called Christ, when He has come, He'll tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So there's a few cases where he actually did say, I am the Christ. But he didn't say it. He always let them reveal it. And upon this came his disciples and marveled, he that talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? And the woman then left her water pot and went away into the cities and said unto them. Now let's back up. Refresh our memory. He was at the Jews. He left the Jews. He went to Samaria. He's talking to the woman at the water pot. Now watch what happens. This is about to show you, in a way, what's going to happen in the future. Come, see a man which told me all things ever I did. It's not that it's the Christ. So they went out of the city. Who's the they? These are Gentiles. I'm going to show you something very important here in just a second. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the <clears throat> in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. He said to them, I have meat that ye know not of. What? He's talking about the glorified body. Therefore, saith the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought unto him unto has any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say ye not there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look out of the fields, for they are white already to harvest. In my studies of prophecy, I cannot tell you how many times I have run that through. Is that some kind of a date telling us when Jesus is going to return? The answer is no. It was simply referring to at that time, at that time there was four months to harvest. But that's not what he's talking to us about. Here he's saying to us, the the fields are already white to harvest, meaning it is already time to take the gospel out to people everywhere. Now, take it out. Don't wait. Take it out. Herein is the saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. If you are not one that can talk, don't worry. As one person said, either you pay or you preach. In other words, if you're not a talker, then then you, you you put in the baskets or you're cleaning the toilets or you're vacuuming or something. all god expects us to do is our best to help the kingdom of god grow he does not expect us to be able to go up and have a good gift of gab and be able to win people to jesus with our own words he doesn't that's the reason he says one sows the other reaps we all work together to build the kingdom of god so don't get a guilt trip thinking well, you know, I've never actually held someone's hands and prayed with them. Well, that's a wonderful experience. If you haven't done that, then try to do that. Matter of fact, I think that's the most wonderful experience I've ever had in my life. If you've not held someone's hands and prayed the sinner's prayer with them, you have missed one of the greatest experiences in life. You should look for that. However, if that has not happened to you, don't necessarily feel bad about it. That's what I'm saying. I sent you to reap whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. He's saying, go in and help build the kingdom of God as best as you possibly can. Many of the Samaritans, that's the Gentiles again, of the city believed in him for saying of the woman which testified. So we see that Jesus was sent to the Jews. The Jews would accept him. So now... The the woman at the well is a Gentile, so the Gentiles, it's saying, accepted it. What has happened? So 2,000 years ago, Jesus was sent to the Jews, stiff-necked, and they wouldn't receive it. So Cornelius and Peter and the whole story about the, there was a knock at the well. First of all, there was a, a sheet let down from earth, from heaven to earth. And there was unclean animals in it, and the voice of God said, Peter, kill and eat. He says, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is unclean. God said, call not unclean that which I call clean. About that time, the door was knocked on, and Peter went down, and that was the taking of the gospel to us Gentiles. Here, it's saying that in the last days, once again, that the gospel will move from the Jews to the Gentiles, it tells you how long. Many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which had testified. He told them all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. Here it is, here it is. Jesus abode with the Gentiles two days. How long is two days? 48 hours? Days of the Lord is 1,000 years, and 1,000 years is a day. 2,000 years. And how long has it been? Okay, so when did Jesus get crucified? What year? Well, nobody's exactly certain. Yeah, some people say 28, some people say 30, some people even say as, as high as 32. But generally accepted, most people say it's 28. Do I know? No, I don't know. But if it were 28, and if it was exactly 2 years, and I don't think, excuse me, if it was exactly 2,000 years, if it was 2028, if it was 0028, in other words, 28 AD, if it was exactly 2,000 years, that would put the return of Jesus, well, let's see, I think I made a chart here. (laughs) Jesus arose on first fruits, 0028. Add 2,000 years, which is two days with the Samaritans and the Gentiles. That would put the tribulation in on about around uh, here, around 2028. Now, is Jesus going to come in 2028? I don't know, and I'm not saying he is. But what it is saying is that in that kind of a ballpark, But the question is, we don't know, was that 2028, 20, or or excuse me, was that 28, 30, 33? We don't know. Is it exactly 2,000 years, or what was he saying in the ballpark? We don't know. So I don't think it's trying to set a date, and I'm not trying to set a date. Now, let's go back to it. So when the Samaritans came to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them about 2,000 years. Many more believe because of his own word, and, the, and said unto the woman, Now you believe, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. This is what us Gentiles have said for the last 2,000 years. We believe Jesus because we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. The Gentiles received him. Right? Yep. That's what we said. That's in our heart. We see it. We know it. We can believe it. Now, after 2,000 years, he departed thence and went to Galilee. What's Galilee? That's Jews. Jewish territory. So what it's saying is after 2,000 years, Jesus will return his attention back to the Jews. Jerusalem will be trodden down to the Gentiles till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. When's that? Probably on about or around the tribulation when the tribulation starts. How do we know when the tribulation starts? Revelation 6, 1, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. It will be this seal here, the noise of thunder. And I pray, probably as you do on a regular basis, I want to hear that. I want to know when that first seal is open. I want to know when the tribulation starts. So after two days, he departed thence and went to Galilee. So he returned to the Jews. That's what it's saying. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet had no honor in his own country, And when he was come to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Meaning, the next time, when Jesus returns his attention to the Jews, after the 2,000 years, this time, the Jews will receive him. Now, not all of them, but a lot more of them will receive him. Have seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came into Cain. Cana of Galilee, where he was made. So Jesus came again into Cana. I get reading too fast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So now he's at the Jews. He's about to tell us when his attention turns back to the Jews, what he will do. So now we have a fella who is sick. He went to Galilee. He made water, wine. So what's he going to do? He's going to do miracles. When he turns back to Jesus, or when Jesus turns back to the Jews, when he heard that Jesus come out of Judea unto Galilee, he went unto him besought him that he would come down and heal his son. So here's a case where a, a person is needing healed. For he was at the point of death, and Jesus said to him, "Except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe." That is true of the Jews. They want to see a sign. If you say you're hearing from trumpet, does Jesus return on the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, the seventh vial? Right here, that's when he returns. So I believe this is saying yesterday at about the seventh hour, or the seventh trumpet, the fever left, or about the seventh trumpet when Jesus returns, the devil left. That's supposed to be earth-shaking. That's supposed to be really important. Light bulbs are supposed to turn on there. Your eyes are supposed to get big. Oh, I see it. That was like the whole point of the last 50 minutes we've been talking. In, in case you missed it. See, I, I have to. I have to tell our congregation the points I'm making. They, because I didn't. You know, go on, Stan. Never miss an opportunity to say nothing. Right. So let's summarize. (laughs) That was my daughter, by the way. Summary, John 3 and 4. It says we must be born again in our light bodies. Jesus must be lifted up or crucified in order to set us free. Jesus was originally sent only to the Jew who rejected him. And for two days or 2,000 years, the Gentiles will accept and believe the gospel. After the 2,000 years, Jesus will return to the Jews. Using great signs and wonders will convince many Jews. The sick will be healed. The dead will rise. The water will be turned into wine. And the end will be at the seventh trumpet. That's when the fever left or that's when the devil left. Is that kind of cool? Yeah. That's kind of cool, isn't it? pretty neat revelation, huh? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and let us see. Help us to know and understand. We ask you to use us in these last days to win many people to your kingdom Prepare our hearts. Help us prepare physically whatever we might might need to do to be prepared in those days to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. And I encourage you to go to the Solemn September Assembly. You find this at watchmanstrumpet.com. It's Monday, Monday September 6th, precisely at 7, actually at 7.44 p.m. We will blow a trumpet 48 hours later, exactly at 7.42 p.m., we will blow the trumpet again to start in the end. We're going to be fasting for 48 hours. We're going to put on the full armor of God. We're going to pray the angels be around about us, and we are going to send out the ministering, protecting, guardian, and warrior angels to destroy evil principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and evil high places over this nation. We're asking people to gather under one name, Jesus, to pray for one thing, America, like we did last year. We had 460 people there last year. Uh, last check, we only have like about 35 signed up. Still got about two months away, but I encourage you to go and get signed up and be there because at that time, sad to say, I think that our nation is going to be in some desperate throes. I think by that time, we will already be in the internal revolution and there will be problems in our nation like we've never seen, such as what America has never seen. We are going to need the fasting and the prayer by then. Also, if you have not already become a member of our ministry, we encourage you to do so by going to prophecyclub.com or spiritofprophecychurch.com and you click that button right there. It says become ministry member and you can fill that out and become a member. And if you are watching online, we ask you to click like, share, and subscribe. We were, uh, we are still looking for a new church building, by the way, and in looking at some of these other buildings, some of them are like $2 million, $3 million buildings, some are $5 million. some are $8 million buildings, and Leslie and I went to the websites, we were looking at the websites, we went to their YouTube channel, and surprisingly, some of them were having 23 views every Sunday, 45 views, 50 was a whole lot. And we will have anywhere from twelve hundred to sixteen hundred views each week. So most of our congregation is through the camera, <laughs> surprisingly enough. But however, we're still praying to give us uh, God to give us a new building. And I think that's because when this onslaught of souls comes into the kingdom. He's going to send a lot of them to us and we want to be ready for that. So I'm asking everyone to be praying that God would give us a new building but it has to be the right building in the right location. In other words, we don't want to have a building that seats 850 and 12 people show up. On the other hand, we don't want to have a building that seats 12 people and 850 people show up. It's got to be the right building. the right. You know what I'm saying? So please pray. If you're online, click like, share, and subscribe. If you're also online, you can follow down to the little arrow there, and underneath you can click in the blue line, and you can make a donation. And if you've not accepted Jesus before, then let's give you the opportunity. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the way we get our neighbor into the book of life is to realize we can't earn it. We can't buy it. It's grace. It's a gift. And we have to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the, the dead and we are saved. Finally, repent. That means to turn from our old wicked ways and turn and follow Jesus. That's repent. And if you have not asked Jesus into your heart, I'm gonna ask you to pray the prayer. If you have asked Jesus into your heart, I'm gonna ask you to pray the prayer. Takes about 30 seconds, let's all say it again. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner, I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, died on the cross, arose three days later, I received his blood to wash my sins away to write my name in the book of life, to keep me holy, and to save me the day of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, send me an email at this email address and let me know. Hey, yes, we just prayed the prayer for the very first time. If you are in the room, you are welcome to come up for prayer. Also, we have the altar open for gifts. And this one here is if you have an electronic device or if you'd like to give to the Cambodian Project for them to get electronic devices. This is the church over there, and they desperately need our help. And that's a pretty good way to be blessed, is by blessing those people that can't pay you back. And in the meantime, to the congregation here and to the online, God bless you and thank you for watching and listening this week. We're happy to pray for you.